0: can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 5th, 2011. For newcomers, you should help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll find hundreds of audios for free download and hopefully you'll begin to understand this incredibly massive system very intricately woven together through different agencies, organisations, private banks, international money lenders, foundations, non-governmental organisations that really run the world, and and uh, all the think tanks really plan the future that work with them, and all these organisations beneath them which help shape the way by lobbying governments and getting lots of information out. Uh, to the media that's all on board with it too. So you're living in a planned society, a planned future, and it's been that way for an awful, awful long time, in fact. An awful long time. I go through the histories of some of the organizations that came up with the initial idea. that at least surfaced uh, during the uh, 19th and 20th centuries, and I'm sure they are on the go long before that, but at least they, they surfaced with certain names for their organizations during those years. Sometimes they changed their names too, and they worked in secrecy, even though the same organizations were putting presidents and prime ministers in since the late 1800s. Uh, most people didn't even know that they existed or the name of the organization. Even Winston Churchill didn't know during World War II. Eventually, they called themselves the Royal Institute of International Affairs for Britain and the Council on Foreign Relations for the U.S. They have branches in every country. And they literally have been writing, writing all your media, writing your children's history books for generations, and they plan the future for you, too. They run all the media, too. So help yourself to those. And uh, you'll find uh, a whole bunch of um, sites listed on CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. These are all the sites I have. There's nothing else I have that's outside that page. So if you see something with my name on it, it isn't mine. And you'll find that you, if you get sticking on Download, try one of these alternate sites I've got listed. Um, because so many folk go into the com at the same time, generally every night. And um, they all carry the audios they all carry transcripts in english for, for for print up if you want print up versions and if you go to alan watt you 'll find uh, a variety to choose from there as well. Number two, you are the audience that bring me to you i 'm basically on my own here i 'm not backed by organizations or uh, advertising companies i don 't have shares or own companies in fact which is okay for those who do uh, as hosts, but I don't do it that way. I rely upon you, the audience, to keep me going by buying the books and discs I've got at cuttingthrothematrix.com. And from the US to Canada, remember you can use a personal check or an international postal money order, or you can use PayPal. Um, Some people will send cash. Across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And straight donations are really, really welcome. As I say, because I'm not—it's uh, not. This is not an empire or business here. Um, I think you lose a lot when you start uh, into a full-time uh, business-type patriot uh, side of things, because you—you—you—you you, you, you become a business. You become part of that which you're supposedly uh, opposing or at least exposing, and you can't help it when you're dependent upon big money coming in every every day, and that's just what happens. So. That's just like music, too. You know, music's is very the same thing. Everything starts off as an anti, anti-something, anti-establishment. And, of course, it becomes mainstream, and it loses everything on the way. It becomes mainstream. Even the, even the ads on television start using them, and you know that's when it's lost its punch. But that's the way things go, and uh, we're fighting uh, really for our lives across the world to, against this massive, uh, monolithic structure, really, uh, that's taking over which is called Globalism, New World order. There's a whole bunch of terms all for the same thing. Um, Bush the first mentioned it. He said it was coming into view in his lifetime. And he talked about the thousand points of light, the big organizations that are fronting for it, the banks, everything, and the NGOs. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. There's so much happening across the world because we're we're being guided. The whole world's on board, every nation's on board with this one big agenda. Same thing that happened after 9-11, where every country immediately came out with this massive anti-terrorism bill, which was identical to, the, to their neighbours and to the ones to the north, south, east and west, and across the, the world at the same time, which tells you tell us that they, you, they we're all ready to get up and running on board together with the same agenda and of course 9 11 was the start for the new world order um, uh, many many people actually said that this the 21st century was the century of change and that's why it became obama's a slogan, in fact, from his marketers, of course, uh, change is good, change is good. And, of course, no, no, nobody thought to ask, oh, define this change, you know, we'll see if it's good or not. didn't matter because marketing and slogans weren't always win. Lenin talked about that. So, anyway, um, the 21st century was the ch- century of change. Now, everything is in double doublespeak from the top, as we know. Or, William Doublespeak, where they'll tell you something, they'll always use the poor across the world as an excuse for doing something, trying to rip off everyone else, including the poor across, across the seas. Uh, because we are natural human beings, we have empathy, we want to help people, that kind of stuff. But the psychopaths at the top, being psychopaths, uh, know what language to use that will work on you. And so it's either to keep you safe, they'll take away all your rights, for instance, and do all the nasty things with which they do. And, um, and But also with the poor, too, we'll, we'll redistrib- redistribute the wealth. Now, here's top bankers in the world uh, following a Marxist doctrine, and no one questions it. Mm-hmm. Since when did bankers go into the altruistic uh, business? It doesn't happen uh, with bankers, where the only thing that counts is profit, massive profit, maximize the profit. But they're all on board, of course, with uh, this redistribution of wealth across the world under the guise of carbon trading and, and that kind of stuff. And in reality, it's to go into those countries and end up owning all the resources of those countries. That's what foreign aid is about as well. It's always been that way. So... We've run through massive changes towards this new world order. We're in it. We're well established into it. People have adapted into it. uh, And even the hype uh, to do with the TSA uh, doing all their nasty stuff at the airports is becoming kind of passé, now we're used to it. There's articles in the paper all the time about old folk being uh, stripped and and searched and all the rest of it. And no one really raises much of an eyebrow now because we adapt as a species. And that's what they count on at the the top. We're always adapting to new rules, regulations, and all regulations and rules are meant to alter your behavior. You are under behavior modification all the time, all the time. Now, back in 2005, I mentioned before, when for the first time uh, the, the Council on Foreign Relations came out, on its own, on national television, as the Council on Foreign Relations, not just someone fraught from it advising some president or prime minister, as we'd often seen before, but as their own organization, they, they admitted they drafted up the amalgamation for the, the North American Union. And it is to be a total amalgamation and then, of course, once the word got out, they quieted it down a bit. They kept having their meetings and integrating with their, their signing of more treaties till 2010 and 2011. They're still going on with new treaties. And here's one of them, too. I've mentioned it before. This is, this is actually part of the integration for those who can't figure it out. But uh, I mentioned this border deal with the U.S. would allow police to come into Canada from the U.S. And it says uh, armed U.S. police officers will, for the first time, be allowed to operate in Canada along with the RCMP, as part of a far-reaching change in Canadian-American border operations to be unveiled next week by Prime Minister Stephen Harper and President Barack Obama. Now, they'll be doing the same with Mexico and elsewhere too, and other countries, by the way. Everything I read here is for other countries too. They're very quiet about it, but that's what they're doing. The Joint Action Plan will be announced at the White House. That's great, Canadians will find out from the White House. Uh, will also uh, break new ground by introducing exit-entry records that will track the movement of everyone who leaves the U.S. or Canada with the information available to authorities in both countries. So we're sharing all criminal databases. As is in the months and years ahead, the deal between Ottawa and Washington will reshape security, travel, and commercial arrangements at the border in a variety of profound ways, some of which have already raised alarms amongst Canadians. I haven't seen any. In fact, it would take an awful lot to happen to raise alarm and and most Canadians, to be honest with you. The agreement, which has been the subject of confidential, and that have actually been secret negotiations since last winter, is intended to reverse the economically damaging border tie-ups that have been growing since September 11, 2001, while upgrading anti-crime and anti-terror security for both countries. In contrast to the silence from Canadian negotiators, uh, it tells you all you need to know about Canadian, Canadian negotiators are totally silent. Some US officials have been open about what the new reality at the border will look like in the years ahead. And the US Attorney General, uh, General uh, Eric Holder revealed last fall that the deal would authorize Canadians and the US to designate officers who can take part in police investigations on both sides of the border. The pilot project, Holder said, will improve the two countries' ability to deal with unprecedented threats along the border from terrorists, human smugglers, illegal firearms traffickers, and drug dealers. The model for the Joint Policing Program is the Ship Rider Project, a three-year-old plan under which the RCMP and U.S. Coast Guard join forces and ride in each other's vessels when patrolling boundary Water's so I guess the Canadians have got a chance to, to 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 jump into the high tech ones the US has got they they'll want that little you know riding the boat there. So it says uh, as part of the measures to improve security and streamline border practices, the Beyond the Border Blueprint they've had so many names for this Clear Pass and a whole bunch of names and that's called Beyond the Border Blueprint is also expected to include greatly increased information sharing between Canada and the US, including the Exit Entry Plan. This secretly devised shake-up-of-border operations has sparked widespread concerns. Well, how can it, when it's just been announced and it's secret, (laughs) you know... It's contemptuous of Canadian citizenry to unveil a plan in which we've had essentially no input. Well that's fairly typical for Canada, said Michael Vaughan, policy director of the British Columbia Civil Liberties Union or Association. This process has really been conducted behind closed doors. There's been no white papers, no reports, nothing that we could say uh, we could point to and say, Here are the pros and cons, here are the drawbacks, here are the things we are considering, she said. So it's 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 quite amazing. To see it, the whole integration deal is here, because back in 2005, between then and 2010, there was another big article about Fortress America, where there would be total integration of all forces across America, including sharing not only of all databases to do with business, whatever, but also to do with every single citizen. So basically, we're all in each other's computers and that's called integration for those who don't know what that means. It also talked about sharing uh, customs, uh, uh, cash, basically, all import duties and stuff like that. That's integration, folks. That's total integration. So, again, there's no outcry because most folk don't even know what's happening. They don't know. It's, it's kept secret. And you get these little bits in the paper, and that's all you get, you're, you're told. And um, it's interesting, too, that uh the US is is going going on about uh the drugs coming in from Canada into to the states etc and at the same time it's been so many exposés about them actually sharing uh, the cash off and and laundering money. Here's an article here US agents laundered drug money report. Anti-narcotics agents working for the US government have laundered or smuggled millions of dollars. And drug proceeds to see how the system works. (laughs) Do you want to believe that, folks? And use information against Mexican drug cartels. It's kind of like when they smuggled all the the guns to them too, and, and says let's see if they shoot each other. You know, the New York Times reported Sunday, citing unnamed current and former federal law enforcement officials. The newspaper said the agents, primarily with the Drug Enforcement Administration have handled shipments of hundreds of thousands of dollars in illegal cash across borders. Some 45,000 people have been killed in Mexico since 2006, when its government launched a major military crackdown against the powerful drug cartels that have terrorized border communities as they battled over lucrative smuggling routes. According to these officials, the operations were aimed at identifying how criminal organizations move their money, where they keep their assets, and most important, who the leaders are, like they didn't know already. eh? They didn't know that already. So these agents had deposited the proceeds in accounts designated by traffickers or in shell accounts set up by agents. The paper noted. So can you tell the difference between who's legit and who isn't legit? The legit just means you have got a badge. You're setting up shell accounts and all the rest of it to 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 launder cash. You know. What a world we live in, eh? What a what a what an incredible world we live in. And really, we we don't we, don't, we, we hardly live at all actually because. If it, what is living? I mean, living should be uh, the ability to live with your own mind and be free of all these impositions by pre existing, pre existing before you were born, authorities that simply uh, spread like cancers. Once they establish themselves on paper, they just blossom and blossom and blossom. So you're not really free. You're constantly bombarded with uh, messages to accept the system, even when. Even the definition of the country keeps changing. People don't notice it. They still go out and cry when the national anthems come on, different countries, and they don't realize that you don't stand for any of the things which you stood for 20 years ago or 30 years ago. None of them. You're 180 degrees off. But they don't notice. But the freedom to have privacy in your own mind is of paramount importance. And the privacy not to be under an extortion racket uh, run by government is also a, a right everyone has as well. I don't care what name they want to give it. There's a thousand names they could choose from. But extortion rackets are extortion rackets. Remember the US too, part of the, the whole battle for independence was uh, the right for really legal and, and taxational representation. Where have you ever seen the government ask the publics and put on anything to do with taxation? All you get handed is, here's a new tax, here's another tax, and here's other tax. And we're jacking these taxes up. We pay taxes on fuel when we mail things from Canada. The the post office has got a fuel charge. It's gone up five times this last year. No one was told about that or asked their opinion, but with more after this break Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the Matrix. Now, Britain has been sunk by mass immigration for years. And I read the article on air from uh, Tony Blair when he was in, his uh, the assistant prime minister, who said that Tony Blair had said to him to massively increase immigration In order to destroy what was left of the British culture, it must never, it must be so destroyed they could never reform. They have no memory, basically, of what it was before all this happened. In other words, you can't create something new until you obliterate the old, and that's the old strategy which has been used with with these globalists. It's interesting too. I've even put links up in the past. We hear Tony Blair and all these multi-millionaires, probably a billionaire now, because J.P. Morgan is, is backing him. Uh, but, uh, you see them all singing the, the, the red flag, keep the red, red flag, red flag uh, flying high. All these guys on stage, uh, they're, they're the Blonde Socialist International, which is just another form of communism. One of the fronts of it, actually. But anyway, the, this article here has wanted more immigrants to boost British economy. And so there's a big, a big hoopla about that. More of them are coming in. And um, and they already are, are welfare states and, and actually it helps, it helps that in terrorism. It helps the, the police recruit more and more because there's always crime when, when the poor ones come in and they can't get work. I mean, that's just obvious, isn't it? And somebody, one of the, one of the top guys got fired a few years ago for saying that. He says, yeah, when poverty, uh, and prices go up and poverty really hits the public, it's going to be more crime. It always goes hand in hand. He got fired for telling the truth. That's just what happens anywhere. So I'll put this link up too, and an interesting link to vaccines, uh, giving you two centuries of official statistics which contradict all the hoopla that the big pharma gives us today on, on the actual efficacy of these different vaccines. Since this is the data the drug industry do not want you to see, here are two centuries of UK, USA, and Australian official death st- uh, statistics to do conclusively and scientifically modern medicine is not Responsible for and played a little, little part in substantially improved life expectancy and survival from disease in Western countries. You can to say that most of the improvement for uh, and the debating of diseases has gone down because of better health, sanitation, and food, uh, good drinking water, uh, uh, higher standards of living. Well, that's always been known as well. It's always been known too. But it gives you the facts, and there's a lot of uh, there's a PDF to down, download, a big long one, and lots of information on it child nutrition, all that kind of stuff, and how everything's been reduced basically through, I say, sanitation, good food, better food. Now, it's, it's, it's bad food again, by the way. It's gone back to bad because it's run by the chemical industry. But um, better sanitation and health and, and, and cleanliness. And folk aren't crammed, you know, 12 to, to a, little, a little room, as they were, during the Industrial Revolution. Uh, so it gives you the, the facts on it, so you can have a appraisal for that for yourself and come to your own conclusions. And it also has links to uh, big lawsuits against pharma that they've admitted there's, there's an awful lot of them there, but they tell you that there's no harm in mumps, measles and rubella vaccine, and here's all these quiet lawsuits going on, and they actually give the cash, and admit, yeah, yeah they, they caused it. And autism too. Now, sometimes you get a stunner, because I call it a stunner because Big sciences are behind video games. They always have been. It's no secret that they've come out with their mainstream articles in the past talking about how um, these, these initially these games were designed for the military so that they would kill quickly, uh, automatically, in a Pavlovian fashion uh, without thinking of, of the fact that I'm killing a human being. And so they gave them video games, and then they gave them to the children. And I've said years ago this was because they wanted to raise a generation of people whose minds have been altered by the video games, just like troops. And these will be the guys who will be going around your doors, dragging you out the house when it's time to come and get you at home. Now, this article simply is another one of the many articles to do with the fact that new studies prove that the games alter, actually alter brain function. There's so many uh, articles on this. It won't matter because most mums will go out and keep Johnny happy by giving in to his demands or his tantrums. Uh, and because and, everybody else has got one mum and they'll get their little video game to make it worse. The brains of young men changed in brain areas associated with cognitive function after one week of violent video game play, the U.S. researchers say. Dr. Yang Wang of the Indiana University School of Medicine uh, and colleagues showed a direct relationship between playing violent video games over an extended period of time and a subsequent change in brain regions associated with cognitive function and emotional control. Very important, emotional control. The controversy over whether violent video games are potentially harmful to players has been debated for many years, Wang said. For the first time, we've found that a sample of randomly assigned young adults showed less activation in certain frontal brain regions following a week of playing violent video games at home, Wang said in a statement. The study involved 28 healthy adult males, ages eighteen hundred and twenty nine with low pass exposure to violent video games randomly assigned to two groups of fourteen members of the first group were instructed to play a shooting video game for ten hours at home for one week and refrain from playing the following week. The second group did not play a video game at all during the two week period Wang said so they had a control study group. Each of the twenty men underwent functional magnetic resonance imaging analysis at the beginning of the study that tells you what part of your brain lights up it 's actually in, in, in working at the time with follow-ups after one, two weeks. The findings indicate that violent video gameplay has a long-term effect on brain functioning. Long-term, that's interesting too, Wang said. These effects may translate into behavioural changes over prolonged periods of gameplay. But they also affect the emotional parts of the brain as well. Really, what you're seeing is almost the same as a psychopath with with the imaging. The front part isn't working up at all. There's no motion. Back with more after this break. Listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm back, cutting through the matrix. The U.S. has so much weaponry uh, because they're such a, a big maker of weaponry. Uh, they used to do jokes about it many years ago about selling it off, and uh, and other cartoons would have um, the country sinking under all the weaponry and missiles and so on. This article here says the U.S. military has some of the most advanced killing equipment in the world that allows it to invade almost wherever it likes it will. We produce so much military equipment that inventories of military robots, M-16 assault rifles, helicopters, armored vehicles, and grenade launchers everywhere start to pile up, and it turns a lot of these weapons it, it, it turns out these are weapons are going straight to the American police forces to be used against you as citizens. Benjamin Carlson at the Daily Reports on a little-known endeavor called the 1033 Program that gave more than $500 million worth of military gear to U.S. police in 2011 alone. is what 1033 was passed by Congress in 1997 to help law enforcement fight terrorism and drugs. But despite a 40-year low on violent crime, police are snapping up hardware like never before. It's Christmas, isn't it? While this year's staggering take topped the charts, next year's orders are up 400% over the same period. This upswing coincides with increasingly military-like style of law enforcement most recently seen in the Occupy Wall Street crackdowns. Tim Lynch, director of the Cato Institute's project on criminal justice, told The Daily, the trend towards militarization was well underway before 9-11, but it's the federal policy of making surplus military equipment available almost for free that has poured fuel on the fire, and um, it's it's really it's not it's not hard to see where it's all going. This is all going to get used with flash mobs and so on, which the the, the think tanks who work for the military projecting the future have came out with before. I put two up before two of their omnibus uh, exposes from the think tanks themselves who advise the military for Britain and the U.S. and NATO and they all coincide with what they believe is going to happen as they will go into eventually even food rationing. There'll be riots for food uh, under austerity plans, and, of course, the economy going down the tube, all manufacturing done in China, and riots will eventually break out, spark, as they claim, they call them flash mobs. And uh, they've got weaponry, including... Uh, basically uh, battlefield nooks to deal with large emergencies. All this stuff took place, you know, back in the 80s when Margaret Thatcher was in, in Britain and Regan was in the U.S. And the, I don't know if you ever saw the movie called Threads. It's called Threads to do with the, 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 the arming for a, a possible uh, mad destruction, they called it, Mutual Assured Destruction with Russia, Soviet Russia at the time. But there's a documentary went along with it, and they talked to the top police chiefs who were given total power over countries like Britain. Uh, And you should hear this character, like like a Nero, talking down to to the people asking them questions. He he says, yes, we have total power, complete total power over every citizen, etc., etc. And that's when they started to militarize and change their whole ideas of what policing was all about. And the same was happening within the U.S. as well. And uh, uh, we're now living in It was all planned to end up this way Everything that's happened was planned to end up where we are today But back in the 80s is when They came out with all their big think tanks Reports on the coming uh, uh, Collapses, etc Collapses of countries Rogue nations, defaulting nations And how they would deal with the civil unrest As it all went down the tubes And here we are living with them And here they are armed the same as the military They didn't get trained with the military now I've mean, been trained with the military since at least the nineties, 90s, early nineties, 90s, the police. So it says it's, it's kind of uh, it's kind of had a corrupting influence in the culture of policing in America. And says the dynamic is that you have some officer to go to the chief and say, "People in this country have militarized hardware. If we don't um, take it, some other city will." Then they'll acquire the equipment, they create a parliamentary unit, and everything seems fine. But then one or two years pass. They say, look, we've got this equipment that's trading and we haven't been using it. That's where it starts to creep into routine policing. And that's what's, what's happening now. All these SWAT teams turn up, just itching, itchy fingers to, to test out all their gear and kill real people. And they, they really are like that, folks. They're just folk like that. Uh, unfortunately, they, they get selected Uh, for the psychological testing. And they're they're like, they want to kill. They want to kill their own people. We're we're in a bad way. I hope you realize we're in a bad way. And it was intended to get to this stage. Intended to. Whenever you see governments put any laws on the books, you, you know darn well they're going to expand those laws every year by amendments. Same thing. And when you give all this weaponry to the cops... Uh, then they're going to start to want to eventually use them and then bring them and expand it into domestic disputes and things like that, which they already have been using as reasons. So again, bad, bad signs, but this was all predicted a long time ago when the whole idea of policing and the whole idea of what even government was changed. Back in the 70s, the Club of Rome said that uh, democracy doesn't work. Well, we shall have to bring in a form of authoritarianism now, it's one of the biggest think tanks for the United Nations and for the other countries as well. They all listened to the Club of Rome think tank. It also spawned off a couple of other think tanks which are associated with it, which deal with, with other things across the world, including your carbon taxes are coming up. But it's a big, big player. And they said that authoritarianism would be the only way to rule over the public in a new post-democratic society. And this is all all you're seeing with this militarization and terrorism everywhere, uh, which is nothing, nowhere, it's all, it's all in the ether, you understand? it's not in reality, it's in the ether. But uh, it's been, everything's been used as an excuse to bring in this totalitarian society, and you're being trained. When they put cameras along the streets, uh, you're being trained to behave differently than when you would if you were not being observed. And they know that too. You can't be spontaneous and have fun, or or play around with your pals on the way to a store or whatever, you know you're being watched. So you end up like the dull characters you would see in these old Soviet Union or Stasi areas of East Germany. You would see that no one looks up, no one looks down. You just look at the sidewalk and don't look at everybody in the eye. And you're being watched. That's the behavior modification. Remember what Skinner said? If you want to change the people themselves, their behavior, you put something different in their environment. So even though you don't know you're being changed, you're adapting and changing to them. That's what your masters want. And it's working. Now, in the Occupy Wall Street movement, there's been an expose, it's come out already to do with the fact that Soros, many other big players... Uh, were behind all of this as well. Not totally, of course. As most people probably were decent people who just were sick up, sick and fed up of the the scams of the same clique running the money system and plundering the public over and over again, and then getting rewarded by taxpayers' money. Taxpayers will be in debt forever trying to pay it off, uh, and these guys start getting themselves bonuses before you, before you know it. And but at the top, always be careful in mass movements. You're always led. By those who use the mass movement. That was that was the same uh, after the revolution in Russia of 1905, and then the socialist parties were granted power. And then you had the coup in 1917 uh, with with the Bolshevik Party. It was a, uh, a I could go on about the Bolshevik Party, but anyway, they jumped in and took it over. So they use everyone else to do the dirty work, then they jump in and take over, and they're ruthless. And the same old things happen all down through history. We're only given left-wing or right-wing, left-wing or right-wing. Both sides are run by the banking boys. I'm talking about the the international money-lending families. They own them both. Look at your history of them. Look at Anthony Sutton's books, uh, Wall Street and the the Bolshevik Revolution, and Who Financed Hitler and so many others. Well-documented books that really went into archives. And this article here says, Activists boast of communist leadership in the Occupy Movement. And they give you links, it actually links to the re-election of Obama. It says, while addressing the gathering of the International Communist Front, World Federation of Democratic Youth, that is one of their fronts, folks, in Lisbon, Portugal, November 10th, 2011, Young Communist League USA organizer Lisa Bergman boasted of communist leadership in the U.S. Occupy Movement and their desire to harness the movement to the re-election campaign of President Barack Obama. That tells you right off the bat that the bank's running on both, because it's a matter who you put in as president. Um, this guy's proven here, Barack Obama, that he's on the side of Wall Street, and all the same guys as all the, all the whiteies before him. He's chosen, and uh, people get fooled all the time. Eh? Anyway, he's his addressing assembled young comrades... Uh, Bergman made no bones about the Communist participation in and initiation of Occupy uh, encampments all over the United States. Uh, she's, she's, my name is Lisa Bergman from the Young Communist League. On behalf of USA, on behalf of our organization, I'd like to thank WFDY and the Japanese Communist Party for hosting this inspiring, well-organized event and for ensuring that the YCLUSA Could be here with all of you today. The Young Communist League USA stands firmly as always has uh, united with all of you against US imperialism, greed, and war. Youth in the United States are shouting at the top of their lungs that the US capitalist economic system has failed them. Thousands of youth in the United States are taking to the streets to demand a better world. Inspired by the Arab Spring and other youth movements in Europe and Latin America, the Occupy Wall Street movement began in the heart of the U.S. capitalist system and has now spread to more than 300 cities in the United States. And she goes on and on and on. So basically, you jump out of the frying pan and the fire if you follow the two ones that are always offered to you. And they're always run by the same people, by the way, if you know what I mean. Anyway, in Britain, the National Health Service, which is, I don't... This thing here has been slashed so many times to the bone. See, people in Britain, I don't think they've ever had the illusion that they were worth very much by the masters that run the system. Uh, they've never really had that, you know, even less today because we are, we're even seeing the kind of... At one time, politicians would humour the public and, and give little slide comments once in a while about the, the, the public, but now they don't even bother. They just tell you what they think of you all, and we're all supposed to be grateful if you've got a job at all. Uh, even though government's been the main problem since the, the, word, the time government was invented. Anyway, see, it says that uh, the National Health Service must come clean over the use of death pathway. You see, euthanasia is coming to the top. This was discussed years ago. What well, well, at the same time they're doing threats, by the way, in the 80s. Well, you're going to have all these post-industrial people with no work to do and they might get restless and, and overturn the government. What will we do? And, you know, oh, euthanasia was discussed, ways of uh, sedating them by putting lithium in the water. Uh, was discussed, it's back in the news today in fact And various other th- methods were discussed To keep them all quiet and happy and, and, and doped Remember in the back of, uh, as back, far back as um, Some of the big planners, world planners The Julian Huxleys, uh, Aldo Huxley's brother And uh, Bertrand Russell They talked about different drugs to keep the people uh, From getting restless, putting water supply, food Or even sprayed upon them but, uh, I think they've done all of these things, to be honest with you, and they've attacked us through vaccinations. A lot of folk, you can't rile up about anything, honestly. And you can look at them and, you know, they can function and they can work, but they, you just can't look at them and there's just no, no angst about anything. Things that you should be angry about. So, this death pathway is also one th- thing to do is to step up euthanasia. Rather than pay, uh, take away their profits, you see, basically, by treating you in hospital if you're elderly. See, uh, the, United States, the United Nations stated that a good uh, global citizen was a, a good producer and consumer. When you're elderly and, you, and you're taking your pension, that really annoys the government. They'd rather you just died and left a pension for them to blow on something else know, or pocket. So they talk about euthanasia, increasing that, and that's why you get the increasing movements towards euthanasia. They're all highly sponsored and paid for by... From either government grants or government and private grants from the big foundations. So they call them death pathways in Britain. Uh, God help you if you're, if you're going to get old. God help you if you have no families anymore to help you. God help you all, because I've seen it all was coming. But this doctor has called for the National Health Service to reveal the true extent of the use of the controversial death pathway. After a report found up to half of families are not even informed of its use, that's when the relative is going to a hospital. And it says, loved ones, uh, are not always told the relative is on the controversial death pathway. And a quarter of hospitals trust uh, discussions were not held with one in three families. Thousands of patients in National Health Service are put into the Liverpool care pathway each. This is how they, what they call it care pathway. It's your exit pathway. They're going to make sure you exit. Each year, in the last days and hours, it aims to give patients a good death—a good death, you see, by avoiding unnecessary and burdensome medical intervention. They, they don't feed you or give you water. <laughs> That's burdensome, burdensome medical intervention. But there are being accusations that hastens death because it can involve the removal of artificial hydration and nutrition. They let you starve to death, folks. This is the 21st century, and if you don't get that, folks, you don't deserve. To get anything else A report into the Palliative Care In the National Health Service Found that one in one uh, unnamed hospital trust Half of families were not told Their loved ones had been placed On the LCP, the pathway In a quarter of trusts One in three families were not infall, informed Dr. Patrick Pulucino, consultant neurologist At East Kent University Hospital Said it was vital that more information Was made available About the use of Liverpool Care Pathway In the National Health Service we need to know how frequently it's... Be- we don't even know how frequently it's being used. This just throwing people in there and keeping quiet about it. Starving them to death, you know. Data should be released showing the proportion of patients who die in hospital who are on the Liverpool care pathway and how many were on it against their will or that of their family. And it's got a bunch of related articles as well. You understand, they don't want to spend the cash on medication or life extension or anything else or even getting you well enough to go home. That's who's the government. It's so say, you go home, you'll be collecting your pension. They want that. They want that. You see, they want your pension. If you if you get old, you're, that's all you're worth, folks. Is it's what they can get out of you. And if they can't strip organs out of you and sell them, whatever, that's the only function you have. This is how hard the world is today. This is how cruel the world is today. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. There's an article here. You know, as to, to do with um with um, uh, <laughs> cremation a dead heat crematorium to sell power for national grid that's how they sell it to the public the idea so crematoriums are only funneling power to the national grid You see, isn't that nice you know? a crematorium is planning to become the first in UK to generate electricity to sell to the national grid by using heat from its furnaces here they are free energy again they make use of you I've said this before even after you're, you're dead, by, by doing post-mortems or autopsies on you. And this guy's got to get paid by the state. He's tax money. It's a big clique that works in that, in that business. And uh, if they can't harvest any organs out of you too, you know, or if they can, they'll, they'll sell them. Big money, big money. And then they take what's left and they throw you in to the this crematorium so that you can heat the local area, you know. It's called a dead heat crematorium to sell powered for national grid many crematorium are currently replacing their furnaces to meet government targets government targets that's your government for you folks on preventing mercury emissions from escaping into the atmosphere no kidding this is the reason they're doing it you see because because we've been lying to you for years yeah mercury is poison you know unless you get a vaccine I'll continue with this when I come back from this break incredible we're getting used to heat towns now and they get us for free Back with more after this. Hi, folks. I'm back cutting through the matrix. I actually got you a call now. There's there's Barrett from Idaho on the line, if he's still there. He's still there, Barrett? Hello. Yeah, how's it going, Alan? Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, what if you do everything right? You buy gold, you buy silver. Um, you get a cachet of food. You um you know, you get your ammunition, your firearms, so you can protect your food and your stuff. When the smoke clears, who's to say the government's not gonna just do what they did in nineteen thirty three, take our gold away and sixty four, you know, the silver and um uh, and just, you know, take our firearms like they did in, for uh, Catri- at, uh Fort, you know, in Katrina. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. No sure. A military that. Yeah. There's nothing government isn't capable of doing by law, sure. And they did confiscate gold before, and uh, they certainly could do it again. And they can also pass the law saying that anyone trading in it or accepting it uh, c- can be uh, locked up, you know, or put in prison. They can do anything to, to stop it from happening, absolutely, you know. And, uh, I was just thinking today, I get those little quips that go through your head sometimes, and I, I, I was thinking about how people keep saying, when's all this going to happen, you know? And over the last 10, 15 years, uh, I had a picture of a house standing there, and then the house was taken away by the mortgage company, and it's just dragged off the lot, you know? And there's a guy sitting there in the mud, clutching onto his rusty old firearm, and a bag of gold with him. And he's still saying they won't get they won't get this from my cold dead hands. I thought, what's the point when you let it get to that stage? You know, there's no point at all. You've already lost everything else. You've lost your jobs. You've given all your jobs to China. You've been ransacked by the government and the bankers in, in collusion. And uh, and sure, it doesn't matter what you do; they can take it all from you. You know, even if you want to store it in a house and hang on to a house. Um, Who's to say they're going to allow you to even stay in that house During times of crisis The whole idea is for mass evacuations This is what they've got planned Mass evacuations when riots break out And that kind of thing break out This is all on on their military sheets You know, so, um, yeah I mean, you can try and do all all the right things It doesn't guarantee that you're going to uh, come out unscathed Yeah But but yeah, that's your whole problem with things. The whole idea is never to allow things to stop adapting. Stop adapting to every, everything that's rammed down your throat. You ought to stop adapting and say, hey, that's enough. In fact, it's more than enough. Let's, let's get rid of all these laws and go back to having some freedom again. We can't have government rule by secrecy. That's not government rule at all. That's called tyranny. And you can't, you can't live under tyranny unless you're very happy with it. Some people are happy with the entertainment's rolling along, you know. And I get the, the, the mail sent to me where, oh, yeah, here's his latest dancers trying to outdo the other dancers by pretending they're having sex on a stage. Maybe they're having it, I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's lots of that to, to goggle your eyes as everything burns and sinks. But who knows? I mean, but you, you don't allow things to get to that kind of... You Even in ancient times, philosophers warned against the use of tyranny. First, in, 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 lieu of safety. When you give up safety, you have no freedom or security. When you give up, give up freedom, I should say, you have no security. Giving up freedom means you have no security. That's the bottom line. But folk adapt and they adapt so everything else comes along. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, a god. All your gods go with you. Remember to help me out, my end as well. Go into cutting through the website.